Hi, I'm George. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And, and we, we are Queer Magnolias, the podcast. Each episode, we're going to talk about what it was like growing up gay in the South. The trials and the tribulations. The joy and the struggle. And more importantly, how we became who we are today. Oh, honey, queer and fabulous. So come on in, y'all, and get comfortable, Shug. Kick off your shoes and sit a spell. And at the end of each episode, we're going to meet up out on the front porch for my favorite part of the podcast... Happy Hour! So join us for an all-you-can-eat buffet of cutting up, foolishness, and caring on. Always served with a heaping helping of sass. And that's a Queer Magnolia's Guarantee. From Stonewall to fabulous Hollywood, the pride of the Carolinas, all the way across the pond, our rainbow flag flies free. Whether you are lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, or any of our allies, hop on the float, Magnolias. Woohoo! Yeah! Yes, yes I Because it is Pride season. Welcome to a special Front Porch episode of Queer Magnolias. Today, we are talking all things that make us out, loud, and proud. Get into it, girls! You know Let's it. do this! Let's go! Why are you gagging so? You know they bring it to you every time. <laughs> ah, tens across right. the board, honey. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to our very special Pride episode. We are about to walk down to see the parade, but before we did that, we all wanted to have a little brunch out here on the front porch with our very special guest, one of our favorite friends of the pod, Tommy Atkins, a country music artist from the UK. So everybody say, hey, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. Hello, Magnolias. It is so lovely to be here and so nice to meet you all finally. Finally, I yes. You. yes. So, Tommy, I hope you brought your thirst because if you are on the front porch, honey, you are going to get wet. Dan, what is this lovely cocktail? Oh, <laughs> today we're going to have a Kiss Me Cowboy. It's a drink we created. In honor of Tommy's single from before, Kiss Me Cowboy. It's got a little Maker's Mark bourbon in it, cold pressed lemongrass ginger juice, cherry snops, pineapple juice. It's all the good kinds of juices and cherries. You know, I <laughs> <some> cherries. <laughs> so come on, Tommy, we're going to have us some, we're going to kiss a cowboy today, baby. All right, everybody, cheers. <laughs> cheers. 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 <laughs> oh, honey, that is the Rainbow Coalition of Fruit in there. <laughs> I think that cowboy did a little more than kiss me, honey. <laughs> a little reach around never hurt anybody. Well, you. <laughs> you ain't never lied. <laughs> We're going to have a little swagger in our walk as we saunter down to the parade today. <laughs> Surprised you could sit in September. Well... <laughs> One right. could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommy, how are you? How are things? I'm good, thank you. It's been obviously a weird year, so it's nice for things to finally be reopening and getting to see. I'm not sure too many Pride festivals are going ahead here in the UK, but we're certainly doing virtual things this year, which is super cool. And it's really nice to see things seem to be going well over there in the U.S. So I'm very jealous of you all. <laughs> well, trust me when I tell you it was a, a long, hard road. Yes, it was indeed. <laughs> but we're getting back to we're getting back to quote unquote normal, whatever in the hell that is. So uh, 
Do you have, Tommy, do you have a, a particular pride uh, memory that you'd like to share? I was thinking about this and my first pride kind of visit was actually an accident. <laughs> so in the the city nearest to where I lived, um, the Ameri- we used to have an Americana festival on the very same weekend as Pride every single year. And we don't get a whole lot of country artists up where I'm from. So every single year I had the dilemma of, do I go see all these artists I listen to every day or do I go to Pride? And unfortunately, country music won for uh-huh. several years in a row. And it wasn't until one night that we went out for, for dinner during the festival that we kind of stumbled upon Pride. And ever since then, it's it's been an annual thing. Um, but yeah, absolutely love it. Love the community spirit that we have over here in the UK. And one of my favorite Prides was over in Nashville. Such a great Pride festival, so much community and LGBTQ plus artists actually performing at Pride, which I love. Um, yeah, Nashville has a really cool Pride festival. Well, great. Southerners do it best, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, if we can find a reason to drink at breakfast, we're all over it. <laughs> and if it's going to last an entire weekend, sign us up. <laughs> I've not been to Nashville's Pride, um, but I can imagine it's a lot of fun. So I, when you were talking about the Americana Festival, is, is that like Americana roots and country music and roots and Americana music? Yeah, over here in the UK, they kind of smush it all into one. So we have Americana artists, country, folk, roots, some kind of like pop kind of traditional pop artists as well. It's just a real melting pot, these festivals. So, um, you know, when musicians come and tour the UK, they tend to hit the big spots like London and and Dublin, but they don't tend to to visit us folks up in the north Mm. very often. So it's nice when they do, and you have to jump on the opportunity to go see these people. (laughs) So, um, so Tommy, that actually brings up something I've been wanting to ask you. Like... Where do you, where does that inspiration for you come from? This love for kind of like American country music? Because honey, I'm going to tell you, when I think of England, I do not think of you getting stuck behind a tractor on a country road. So I just want to know where that happens for you. <laughs> I love it. I love how Americans really don't think that English people have farms and stuff. We just have houses oh. and beautiful, beautiful cities that we live in. But we do. We have farms. We have John Deere tractors. We have everything. It's, it's weird. Um, well, now, okay, Tom, I, you know, you do have to realize that most of us, when we go to England, we go to places like London, Manchester, Dublin. We don't really go to a farm, mm. so we don't usually see farms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, you know, I'm, like, but, totally versed in the Cotswolds. Like, I know point. what this looks like. I watch Ms. Marple. <laughs> <laughs> but, to, but to that point, I, I do want to say, when uh, the first time I went to London, uh, we had planned a trip to Stonehenge via Bath. And so we took a uh, like a Greyhound bus or something uh, out through the countryside to uh, go up to Stonehenge. And I remember driving through the countryside and thinking, seeing the countryside, this is exactly what I grew up in. And it was it was kind of interesting that Mm. it didn't dawn on me that that existed outside of where I grew up. So to your point, you're not exactly wrong, Tommy. But thank you for educating us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think just kind of like growing up uh, my dad had a 
Alan Jackson cassette tape in the car. Mm. Used to love the cassettes and the mixed like country mixes. And my mum loved Shania Twain. So I heard bits and pieces of country music growing up. And once we hit the kind of mid noughties and we got a, a family computer that we could go on and we had the internet for the first time, I could finally start to discover all these country music artists that I just absolutely loved. And um, that was when my excessive CD collection began. And kind of the rest is history. I absolutely yeah, just fell in love with country music. I love that. Thank you for talent. Thank you for educating me. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh, sort of on your path to become a uh, country music artist, uh, can you talk us through sort of what that was like being from London and coming to Nashville? Because you've recorded in Nashville, correct? And you have a Nashville producer, I believe you uh, said. Yeah, that's right. So my producer is based over there in Nashville and we've actually done everything remotely since before COVID times. Um, so I make my you know songs over here and we have little demos that I send across there and we work up the production over there in Nashville. And yeah, I record all my vocals over here in the UK and our session musicians are spread all across the US as well. So everybody's in their own place doing their own thing. Um, but yeah, kind of being from the UK, the internet has just been an absolute blessing, particularly over the last 10 years for my career, getting to connect with people over in the US and getting to visit when I can and work with different people. Um, it's just brilliant. The I feel like the music culture in America is so much more present and it, you know, you go to bars and there's music everywhere and that isn't so much the case here in the UK. Kind of is in Ireland and maybe up in Scotland a little bit, but I think people just kind of live and breathe music, particularly in the South in the US, it seems. And um, that's what's always drawn me to the area. Oh, please. We're going to have to wait. And there's nothing. Welcome to New York. Oh, it's the Pride Parade. The Pride Parade is starting, y'all. <laughs> So I'm a little confused. I know you live in Northumberland now, but are you from London or are you from the north part of the country? So I kind of grew up between the two. It all depended on whether my parents were together at this time um, as, to, as to where we lived. <laughs> so I grew up half and half, half south, half north. Um, and yeah, mostly in a, a small town not too far from Newcastle, which you may know for the brown ale. I know you guys drink that over there in the US. Um, we don't drink it here, <laughs> funny enough. And, uh, <laughs> well, mine's usually a clear yeah, liquor in a that's... bottle, but yeah. But she'll drink anything you put in front of her. <laughs> true, true. I might complain about it, but I, it, I'm still going to drink it. So it is what it is. So, Tommy, are there a lot of, are there a lot of different... Um, venues where a person in the UK could go see a country artist perform? That's a great question. Mm, not so much, actually. It's it's starting to become a, a little better over the last kind of two to three years. We're starting to have more country music festivals around the UK in the summer. Um, but we've never had like the honky-tonk culture or that downtown Nashville feel where there's always live bands on. That's kind of gone away in the UK a little bit. Um so again, that that's totally why I love visiting the US because I think just walking into a bar and hearing a band you've never heard before is so cool and gets your blood pumping hearing the real live music as opposed to a DJ. But 
you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to a DJ on a pride float or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> or anything else on a pride float, honey. <laughs> well, especially a DJ that's playing your own music. I, I'm like, okay, we're on that. So it's um, sort of an aside that this probably won't make it on to the podcast, I don't think. But anyway, we're, we're sort of suffering with some of the same things here. I'm a big, huge jazz fan. And when I moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. you could see 25 live groups a week when I first moved here. Now you're lucky, outside of COVID, even before COVID, you were lucky if you saw two a week yeah. in all of Los Angeles. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a changing landscape. But then a great thing is, independent artists have a bigger voice now, I think, than they did before. Yeah, I agree with that. So have you been to Nashville? Yeah, um, my main visit was back in 2018. Um, and that was kind of the start of my journey as an artist, I was always focused on being a songwriter before that, but coming out to Nashville, my mentor kind of bullied me <laughs> into performing. It was something I'd always shied away from before because I'm quite a shy person, quite introverted. And the thought of getting on stage absolutely terrified me. But being out in Nashville, it's the best way to network and meet other writers and artists. So, yeah, I was just pushed on stage in various <laughs> venues around Nashville. Um, that, was, that was how that all started and eventually ended up falling in love with it while I was over there. Great. Just getting to, to go out there and sing openly gay lyrics, which the audience has never really seemed to have heard before. That was quite a big thing for me to hear that response and that reaction and go, oh, actually, there may actually be a market here for for an openly gay artist in country music so so it sounds like it was a positive experience yeah definitely it was yeah i think i was nervous going across because over here in the uk i think a lot of people have a negative stereotype of the south in general of being very homophobic or not very tolerant and i was a bit nervous about going on stage and not knowing who was in the audience who's singing these you know openly gay songs um but my personal experience was was really positive um yeah and as i say it just pushed me into to doing this as an artist so when i was in nashville what i found very interesting about nashville that i haven't seen anywhere else is you talk about uh all of this music that's played in all of these bars you could drive down the street and it's just music after song after music after song after party just uh and it just was an experience that i have not seen anywhere else you know and i've been to some pretty big cities and you know los angeles obviously new york and places like that and that was the first time ever experiencing that so i kind of see what you're talking about about that experience and sort of how amazing it is to sort of be surrounded by that for sure and something really unique about that is two cities in the u.s that have something very similar are Memphis and New Orleans. So they are three cities, yeah, I was Nashville, thinking New Memphis Orleans. and New Orleans, that they have all of these live acts performing. And they have people who are really, really popular and well-known. And they have independent artists and they have people in the in-between. And it's unique that we think of, in this country, New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, we think of larger cities that would have all of these things, yet three cities very close together, Nashville, Memphis, and New Orleans, are really the cities you want to go to if you want to see live bands. Maybe Seattle was for grunge and stuff, but it's it's unique that here the South rocks again. 
Jake, you, you got something to say, uh, Big Daddy? Uh, well, you know, I, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about a couple of things, but I, I was really influenced by growing up by the Beatles. Um, they were huge for me. I was just thinking about how they would have might influenced you. I mean, in America, I know it was a, a huge thing, but I mean, obviously they come from England and did they ever influence you at all in your music career? Uh, so early on in my life, they definitely did. In when we were in primary schools, I, I get do you call it kindergarten <laughs> over there? I'm, I'm still not entirely up on my US lingo. <laughs> so yeah, when we were in when we were in first school, you know, you learn Beatles songs. You learn Beatles songs. You learn ABBA songs. <laughs> like when you do your big big school assemblies, it's weird kind of thinking about it actually. <laughs> but we learn all these kind of classic pop songs, and when you know i hear the beatles if we're out and about wherever i'm like oh i know all the words to this song how how do i know that oh it's because we used to sing them when we were like seven years old in school it's quite bizarre <laughs> that's awesome it's the abba for me <laughs> <laughs> it's the abba for me <laughs> yes dancing queen honey dancing uh, queen <laughs> you can't have pride without abba that's for sure amen honey true uh-huh. honey <laughs> All right, Dan, go ahead. Oh, no, I was I, I was just going to say, you know, the Beatles were very influential on us here. Um, I grew up in a household that was very heavy into soul music, which is something I would think is really rather unusual. I The Beatles were very popular, but I always thought Ray Charles was more popular until I became grown because I heard Ray Charles and other soul artists in the house I grew up in much more than I did pop music so if you were listening to alan jackson and shania twain it is what we grow up with that influences us it's interesting yeah and growing up in the south for me i didn't grow up with country music there was some bluegrass that made its way into our uh you know life from time to time but i you know i grew up listening to i don't know prince and you know uh sheena easton and you know all of uh all of the um riskier music if you will and for me my aunt ella actually married a banjo playing bluegrass musician so we had a lot of bluegrass in the house there was a lot of that do you play other instruments besides the guitar i play a little bit of piano and also a little bit of banjo oh, actually hey. yeah, just just a little bit i mean you don't get more <laughs> country than that <laughs> we should have had you bring your banjo <laughs> So, Tommy, I know this is going back a little bit, but I'd really, really love to know what inspired you to record the Wham! song Freedom? I mean, as a country cover, who would have thought that would work? (laughs) Yeah, you know, growing up, besides listening to the Beatles and ABBA in school, uh, my mum was a big George Michael fan and a big Wham! fan. So one of the first albums I knew all the words to was Wham's Great Hits when I was running about as a little toddler. And um, when I made the transition from being a songwriter to a performing artist, I was suddenly having to do these bigger shows and people still didn't know all of my songs yet. So I felt the need to put in one or two cover songs, you know, the way most artists do. And I just started performing this song, stripped down and acoustic. And over time, it evolved as I was playing with my band and eventually came out with Fiddle and Steel. So it, it kind of went through this this process of 
being stripped down for a couple of years and then worked back up. Um, but I was just so proud to do that song because I love singing it as a fan of the song. It's one of the songs I really look forward to in the set because people know the words, but then they're surprised by how it sounds. And yeah, it just, it really, it's, yeah, even though it's a sad song, it reminds me of my love of music as a child with my mum, hearing it on the radio, on the CD player. It just, yeah, fills me with warmth. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And you're so right, because like when I was, I remember listening to your first album and, you know, listening to it the first time, not knowing the new songs. And then this starts, and of course it just says freedom. So you don't know which song it is. I was like, wait a minute, I know all the words of this song. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, tell me, let me ask you, who, who would you most like to collaborate with and why? Who would be a dream collaborator? A dream collaborator um, has actually kind of come true. I've ended up working with an idol of mine called Risi Palmer. And back when I was 16, 17 years old, she released an album, which I bought on CD and learned all the words to, read through the, the lyric book in the CD. And I followed her for, what, 13, 14 years now. And I finally actually got to work with her on my upcoming single called It Took a Woman. And she's singing with me on it. And it is Yay! quite mind-blowing. I don't think it's fully set in yet. That's, <laughs> That's, great. That's awesome. Yeah, Dreams come so, true, honey. <laughs> so speaking of it, yes. <laughs> speaking of upcoming, that is releasing, what, in a couple of days? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so It Took a Woman was actually one of the first songs I set aside for my debut album. It's a, a really personal song. It was inspired by my husband's grandmother, who he was raised by. And yeah, I never got to meet her. Unfortunately, she passed before my husband and I met. So I sat down one day and just wrote out everything I would have wanted to say to her. And I'm, yeah, I'm just so proud of the song. I'm proud of how it's come out. I'm proud to have Reese on it. And also just be putting out into the world an example of a parent or grandparent really showing love to an LGBTQ plus youth because I feel like that isn't a reference we get a whole lot of as gay people. We don't get to see a whole lot of parents showing love in to, to queer people in TV and in music. Um, so I'm really pleased to be putting this out there and just have it be a super positive thing for Pride Month. on the wall videos he shows me now and then on his phone your handwriting inside the bible on his nightstand and your perfume in a chest where he keeps your wedding band i know Cause there's something that I need to say Thank you for raising the man of my dreams Thank you for showing him love How do you respect me and hold 
It's a beautiful, beautiful song. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you. I'm so I'm so pleased you guys like it. Yes, absolutely. I assume we can find it at wherever we find usual music, or is it? Where's it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be absolutely everywhere. It's going to be on your Spotify's, on your Apple Music's, and as I say, it's going to be on my debut album as well, which uh, people can pre-order, and it's going to be out later this summer. Rocket! Hey, congratulations yeah. on that. <laughs> So the same year you went to the Pride Festival in Nashville, I was living in Eastern Tennessee that year in 2018, and I was there for the Tri-Cities first gay pride. And I had been to many a gay pride before then. But it was so nice to be in a, yeah, right, yeah, Jesus and I went to the first gay pride uh-huh. together. Honey, she threw the brick at Stonewall. <laughs> Are you are you kidding? She made the bricks. <laughs> oh, and, and just so we can hammer this home, I'm older than George Michael, so you might have been dancing around the same time I was, just in a different generation. <laughs> but it was it was it was unique to be in a place that I got to see the very first gay pride that this area had. Um, they they were like children you know, waiting for candy, waiting for Christmas, because some of them had traveled to other cities to to visit Pride, but they'd never had one of their own. So all these people had came out for it, and the police presence was 
almost intimidating. I was mm-hmm. very pleased because you're bringing something to an area that doesn't typically celebrate gay. Yeah. So the police were there, every law enforcement was there, but they made you feel safe, and that was the important thing. And it was also the first time I saw Amethyst Key perform, and when I, it was just before she came out, and when I tell you, she rocked the hell out of that pride. It was amazing. And it was just, it was so much fun to see something unique happen for the first time. And for me, it was probably the 20th time. So Tommy, that makes, brings up something for me. Have you actually ever performed at Pride? Because, you know, here in L.A., we have the country music pavilion at Pride is huge. Like, I don't think you could actually even have Pride here in L.A. without a country music pavilion. <laughs> I haven't actually. I was due to perform at a couple last year, but due to COVID, oh. knocked on the head. Fingers crossed later this summer or next year in 2022, I would absolutely love to play. Well, honey, while you're here, you should sign up for the one here in L.A. Let's get you on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. We'll start a petition. And George might have an in. Not anymore. Not anymore. I don't know them people no more. (laughs) Tommy, George for many years worked uh, worked, uh, with Pride here in Los Angeles for a long, long time. It's true. I did. I did indeed. What's it like behind the scenes? Is Is it complete drama or is it It is organized chaos is what it is. (laughs) Like, you know, any production, putting on any production, it is, it is amazing to me what these people pull off. So what appears so seamlessly every year, like when you're, uh, when you're not behind, when you're not behind the curtain, it looks so easy. So, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about <clears throat> my very first Pride uh, was actually in Raleigh-Durham. Um, and God, I don't remember what year that was, so don't ask. But I do remember uh, it was the first time any of us had gotten gone to a Pride. And I remember on the way down to Raleigh, I don't think we had an idea of what to expect. But one thing I do remember very well is that we were all nervous and excited Um but we were nervous because I think we didn't know it mostly came from not knowing if we were going to meet any kind of aggression or violence or anything like that. And when we arrived, it was also disappointing because it was a very small parade (laughs) and there were events sort of here and there, and it wasn't really anything on the scale, sort of what we see today, at least here in Los Angeles anyway, or New York or, you know, even Australia. Uh, but I remember being out on the street in the daytime and uh, there was felt like this sense of danger that we all seem to have. And, and I think in thinking about it in years past, it's always I think it comes from sort of always feeling safer at night, tucked away in a bar with your tribe uh, versus being out uh, in the daylight on the street and being an open target. And I just think that was part of being gay in the 80s in the south you know it's it's certainly not the experience that we have today uh you know i feel like i always say that uh but that that's that caveat is true i mean because sometimes when you're living in a major city like today uh i tend to forget sometimes what it was like growing up for us in the south and how uh you know how how serious some people were about wanting to cause violence whatever so but anyway, so all that to say today, pride for me just means being able to walk down the street in Raleigh without that fear. And it means not hiding away. 
uh, even a small part of who I am anymore. So. Yeah, it's become less National Geographic special, so you can like actually go out in the daylight and not have to fear about being attacked. Exactly. So you're not hiding in the dark. And exactly. That's exactly it. Going down to the watering hole so. in the dark, honey. <laughs> well, and I think that brings up a, a really interesting point that that's why pride is so necessary. Because until we step out in the light and until we're able to say, we deserve the exact same things that everyone else does. We, we deserve the same protection as everyone else. Pride is very relevant because we don't have pride everywhere. 2018 was the first one for Tri-Cities. You know, it, there are lots of places in this country that don't have a pride. I believe Mississippi only has one mm. for the whole state. And it's wow. just one of those things that we take it for granted and Thank, well, we don't take it for granted. We're happy it's there, but it's still It's necessary. a given. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, one of my other jobs, Tommy, was I worked for a gay magazine here in Los Angeles that had been around since like 1984. So it was pretty, it was very well established. And every, if you're gay and you're in Hollywood or in LA, you knew the magazine. Um, and I remember once, it was Pride season, or coming up on Pride season, and we were having an editorial meeting, and these two really young editors were in the, in, were in the conference room, sitting beside each other before the meeting started, and they were having a discussion about, do we even need Pride anymore? And we were a very genera um, diverse generational staff, and so that was the day they got really schooled by anyone who had come before them about how important Pride <laughs> was to be out, to be present, to be seen. And yes, obviously, it's so much easier for younger generations now to be out and to be proud. But they have to. But you've got to remember where it all came from. Is that brick I threw at Stonewall, goddammit? I mean, honey, <laughs> we thank you for it every day. <laughs> yeah, that really makes me think about my the Pride experience that I really remember and how different it is, you know. And being here in West Hollywood, it's all out there. It's all it's just a huge party. And you know, there's the actual festival that George, you know, was a was a part of. But then every other business around is also just they're all promoting it and each person's going to and from each bar which is completely different than what's going on now because <clears throat> of covid but i re i remember um that pride of, of the pride that i remember the most was we got vip tickets to go in the back in the back scene of everything and seeing everything from behind the scenes was great especially with free drinks and pretty, you know, pretty much access to anywhere you want you wanted to go, um, to the point where you know I got really tipsy and I strayed from the group. Um, I was staying in a hotel in in and a little further in Los Angeles, and I headed on back. I actually passed out on the bus and woke up in Skid Row, which I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's in the middle of downtown. It's not where you want to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> So, and moseying my way back onto my hotel, finding my way back was also fun. But that's, you know, that's pride now, if you will, <laughs> for this generation. That's what it's led to. And because from Stonewall, we have this. <laughs> Jacob, I feel like that bus ride took you from pride to petrified. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had to act like a crazy person to blend in. 
<laughs> Always a good rule of thumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anybody have your most memorable pride? Well, Jake, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I have one specific. Well, I, I mean, I can think of something specifically, but I'll keep this PG. Um, Oh, there. don't. Honey, you always PG. What are you talking That's about? why I have the white gloves. <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave the, um, yeah, the, the, the rubber the gloves NC, to Rick. The NC-17 to Rick, exactly. Yes, Rick, I think these are your gloves. I just didn't recognize them without the Crisco on them. <laughs> They're not as shiny, are they? So I, I think the thing about Pride that's so amazing for me is Pride seems to exist in its own little space. Space time continuum, that little weekend, that little three day weekend where, like, whatever you do has no repercussions outside. Come Sunday night, <laughs> Monday morning, it's all gone. It's like somebody waves a magic wand and it's all gone. So you can do whatever you want during Pride Weekend and it's fine. <laughs> the slate has been erased. It has. Morning. <laughs> it's, it's like Vegas. <laughs> or it's like what a morning. Pride stays at Pride. Or it's like every morning in New Orleans when they hose off the sidewalk. It's gone now. Clean slate, honey. Clean slate. Last night never happened. <laughs> Which is AKA when you get your morning shower. I mean, depends on how long you've been out, honey. <laughs> Tommy, we look forward uh, to well, taking my... you to Pride when you get back here. I'm terrified to come here. You haven't even heard Rick's story yet. <laughs> Well, you, you should be, honey. You should be. <laughs> My most memorable pride involves uh, three other people in a bathroom at Motherload. <laughs> I'm going to need those gloves back, George. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll send them back freshly pressed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no wonder you never want to go to Mother Load when I meet Tom there for happy hour. <laughs> I see that now. Well, I'm afraid I might still be on that not allowed entry side. <laughs> Mug shot, honey. <laughs> Tommy, oh, Tuesdays, Tuesdays is manhole night. That's the, that's the day Rick goes. <laughs> oh, so... so. Some of my colleagues at one of my clients, they just love it when I tell them the name of the bar that I've been to because they just sit there, oh my God, you know, I was at the Ramrod. What does that mean? I'm, well, it's like the mine shaft. We get business uh-huh. done there. That's right. Had lunch at the cock and bowl, honey. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Tommy, we now know you're a lesbian because you have a cat and I've seen your flannel shirt. So. <laughs> Shacked up, honey. <laughs> right. How do you like farm life? Love it. It's it's such a switch from living in the city centre throughout my twenties and being surrounded by people and being able to just go out to the bars whenever you like. Now it's more chilled pubs on a Sunday afternoon and yeah, chilling with the cat chopping wood. <laughs> it's it's a nice change of pace, <laughs> and I feel like I've. With that, I've transitioned from being a nighttime pride person to the daytime. I like to go during like the family events now, and you know, look around, look around the stalls, <laughs> see the, see, like have some nice food. It's it's been a whole transition. Yeah, That's, you know, it's it's a it's definitely a different thing to see for the majority of us. Jake grew up here in Los Angeles or in Los Angeles area, but. 
for Rick and George and I, we we grew up in small towns, so we couldn't yeah. get to the city fast enough. So mm-hmm. it, you know, and I think that I tried that country living shit in 2018. It isn't for me. <laughs> Oh, the conversations I have with my mother about, why don't you just move back home? And I'm like, there's no way in hell, lady, that I'm ever going to move back to the country. It's just not going to happen. I will live in my car in downtown L.A. before I move back to the country. Oh, she says that now. (laughs) (laughs) But once he gets to Skid Row with Jake, we'll see how it ends up. I mean, but... Uh, Jake was on a bus. That's like a mansion compared to yeah. my <laughs> Yeah, air conditioned all the time for right. sure. <laughs> so we've been asking all the questions, Tommy. Do you have any questions you want to ask us? Yes, I'm actually this pretty. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, growing up in the South, I assume country music was on the radio for you all, but is that a an incorrect assumption was it part of your lives growing up and did you connect with it as as young queer people especially so i'll answer it first um like uh, you know my aunt um married a bluegrass musician he played banjo so it was around a lot like bluegrass music for sure and i um and country music was something that was you couldn't escape i feel like growing up where i did in north carolina um it was not my favorite, so it's not what I was listening to because that's when I was listening to Wham and Madonna and, you know, whatever. So it was not something that was in my personal library, but it was always on the peripheral. It was always around. And in our house, like George, I mean, bluegrass was a part of it. Sometimes country music here and there. But for the most part, for me growing up, uh, I, I listened to a lot of pop and a lot of R&B. Uh, those are sort of the things that I was sort of drawn to and sort of it resonated with me uh, more so than country music did. I actually did not like country music for a very long time until about, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago. And now it's actually part of my rotation and my cycle and the music that I listen to. And I heard heard country music growing up sort of on the periphery. Um, I know my mom liked Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn and I'd say more mainstream artists like that. I remember uh, in growing up in the little town I grew up in, there were some guys who played bluegrass music, and I was not fond of it then. I am now. I I think probably the steel guitar is one of my favorite sounds at this point. And if it's played well, it's so mesmerizing. And then I I'm sort of on the sort of unique edge. I love Mary Gaucher. Um, I love artists who come with some music with a lot of depth. Um, you know, and it's funny because earlier I was thinking about you playing in Nashville. You know, when Melissa Etheridge came out, it changed the direction of her music. The same thing with Katie Lang. Um, there, While there was acceptance, it wasn't the acceptance we see today. And I'm so thankful for the acceptance we see today. If an artist has the ability to stand up and express their sexuality, um, it can be celebrated now. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, I, for all I know, Loretta Lynn was bisexual, but you would never know it, you know? Because in her day, that wasn't something you talked about. But we talk about it now because we out and proud, baby. That's the way we roll. That's right. You know, Mother preaches every now and then, huh? Past the collection plate. 
Um, so country music is a little, I mean, I didn't grow up in the South, uh, Southern California is a little different, but my parents both listen to country music, uh, artists. I don't really remember too much. I remember more like rockabilly style because my mom liked the Grateful Dead and I remember Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. So it was like, it was a different style of country that she listened to. Uh, but then I remember my grandparents definitely listening to, like, I mean, I, honestly, I can't really remember names of artists, but I do remember it being on the background. My grandparents, my, my father's parents definitely listened to country. But I wasn't, you know, growing up in LA in the city, it was not a whole lot of country music and people actually didn't like it very much around here, like, especially the youth. They were like, no country music. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I better fit in. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I have to say, Tommy, since we're talking about this, I remembered. I have, I said what I said about Madonna and Wham and all that pop from the 80s, but I have vivid, vivid memories of putting on the 45 I owned of 9 to 5 and performing it in my bedroom. So there's my country music from childhood. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Dolly is different, honey. Dolly is different. She transcends all of it in my mind. <laughs> she does. She does. Honey, I'm here to tell y'all I have French kissed this cowboy until I need another one. <laughs> My tongue has been all the way down in this drink, honey. I have got to have a new one. Well, honey, one <laughs> cowboy is never enough. Uh-uh. <laughs> Giddy up, honey. Giddy you up. need a whole dude ranch. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, I say we put some in a flask and toddle. <laughs> Yes, honey, because as my Aunt Lucy used to say, well, my ice cubes are dry. Ain't that the truth? Well, let's mosey on inside for one more before we walk on down the street for pride. Yes, let's do this. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. We just adore you and appreciate you, and thank you for being a fan of the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's been so great listening to this from episode one and now getting to be on here. But thank you, yeah, thank you so, so much for inviting me on. It's it's really like a privilege to, to be kicking off Pride thank Month you. with you all. Well, guys, you know what this is? It's a wrap for season two. No, Yay. already. Two. <laughs> it went quickly. Right? It did. It's crazy. But you know what? We're going to be back really soon with season three. So you guys just stay tuned and we'll keep you updated on social. Yeah, with that, tight. bye and happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Bye, bye, you guys. <clears throat> Queer Magnolias is a weekly podcast hosted by Rick Clifton, Danny White, and George Skinner, and produced by yours truly, Jacob McGinnis. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts. So please take a few minutes to leave a rating or review. We definitely look forward to hearing from you. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to receive the next episode automatically. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Queer Magnolias and on Instagram at Queer Magnolias Podcast. Or you can email us at Queer Magnolias Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>